Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Kieran, good day. My name's Craig Sisterson, and you're joining us for another wonderful episode of Words and Nerds Podcast, the fabulous podcast that's run by the marvelous Danny V. I do a spin-off series for this podcast. Thanks very much, Danny, called Kiwi Craig's World of Crime. Every episode we bring together a fantastic panel of storytellers from around the world. It's not just crime, crime, mystery, thriller, suspense, dark fiction, all that dark and juicy stuff we love in genre fiction. Today, boy oh boy do I have a fantastic panel for you. This is the Dark Deeds panel and I have four award-winning authors from Australia and New Zealand who were part of the Dark Deeds Down Under anthology, the groundbreaking anthology we put out last year. But more than that, they've written novels, they've written all sorts of amazing projects, and we're going to have a great discussion meeting them and talking about what they love about storytelling. So thank you very much for listening, and welcome to the brilliant Lee Murray, Rob McDonald, Danuka McKenzie, and Catherine Kovacic. Jara Craig? No. Hi, Hi Craig. everyone. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. Now we're going to get to meet all of them over the course of the next half an hour, 40 minutes or so, and you're going to learn more about them. If I started listing all their accolades, it would take up the whole episode, so I won't do that. But just a brief introduction. Lee Murray is the, I believe, four-time Bram Stoker Award winner. That's from the Horror Writers Association, the Global Horror Writers Association, by the way. She's also won won numerous Australian Shadows and Sir Julius Vogel Awards in Australia and New Zealand and is a Shirley Jackson Award winner as well. She is a queen of Down Under Horror. She's amazing. She lives in the Bay of Plenty. Welcome, Lee. Thank you. (laughs) That's very kind of you. (laughs) And then we've got Danuka McKenzie, who's a kind of newer, fresher voice on the Australian New Zealand crime fiction scene. She's the author of the Kate Miles series. You might have seen her fantastic work. The Torrent came out last year. And she's the winner of the Banjo Prize for Unpublished Novels. We'll be talking a little bit more about that later. Welcome, Danuka. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. It's so lovely to be here. Fantastic. And then we have the brilliant Rob McDonald, who grew up in rural New Zealand and now lives in the urban life in Melbourne. He's the Nyamash award-winning author of the Nancy series, a fantastic series, about an unlikely trio of investigators we'll be learning more about during this episode. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Craig. Great to be here. Fantastic. Good to have you. And last but not least, and just to prove that not every author in, in the anthology had a surname starting with M, we have Catherine Kovacic, <laughs> who's a vet turned art, who's a vet turned art historian and author, who's the author of the fantastic Alex Clayton art mysteries and also some other really cool standalone and other TV tie-in books that we'll be talking about during this episode. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Craig. Lovely to be here. Fantastic. 
Now, I thought just to give the listeners out there a bit of a taste of um, some of your work, we could talk about your main characters that you've utilized for the short story in this anthology. In some cases, some of you have more than one series that you write. But in terms of um, in terms of kind of bringing a main character from your novels into the short stories. But first, I thought we could like get the listeners learning about your characters. So, Lee, perhaps you'd like to tell us what it was that inspired you to create Penny and Matui initially when you wrote, first wrote them and why you wanted to carry them on as series characters rather than being a standalone. <laughs> okay, so... Um... So uh, uh, Penny and Matthew Yi are a crime-fighting uh, brother and sister duo where Penny is a, a scientific consultant to the police and Matthew is her brother by Fong Ai, um, who's a little bit of a bad boy and works in security and um, has been to prison and, you know, he's just that little, he sort of walks the veil to the underworld, if you like. So it's a, we write supernatural crime noir. And um, and I kind of sort of, I'd worked with Dan. We'd done some anthology projects together. He's an incredible short fiction writer um, in the sort of horror field. And we we got together and we really enjoyed working together. And we said, well, what, what if we did some writing? Why don't we have a go at something collaborative? I'd always loved his work. And um, he said, oh, yeah, let's maybe try a novella. So we tried a novella and we had so much fun with it. <laughs> we ended up writing a trilogy and now the short story and we've done a screenplay for it. And, you know, it's just kind of got a little bit out of hand. But um, how we come up with the, with the characters is that um, we decided that we wanted to make it easy for ourselves. So we drew on some of the things that we've done in our own lives. So Dan actually works in security. He's not been to prison. I just want to say that very clearly, but he he does work in security. And he, he, he you know, he, he said he was a bit of a bad lad in his day. Um, and, um, and of course he's Maori. So we pulled in some of those Maori supernatural um, you know, um, mythological aspects. And then I'm, I'm, you know, a third generation Asian New Zealander. Um, so we use some of that, those Asian um, sort of themes and cultural themes. And, um, and I also, you know, was once a, a scientist once back, you know, years ago in a former life. <laughs> so, um, so we kind of pulled on that as well. And we used those, those characteristics of ourselves. It's, it's actually, the ultimate in laziness. That's really where our characters came from. <laughs> um, but um, it was a nice combination because I don't think it had ever been done before, sort of, uh, you know, those Maori, New Zealand um, and, and, and Asian aspects all sort of melded into one to give a really fun narrative, you know, looking at different perspectives. So we, we really, we've really had fun with it. Yeah, and it's a brilliant series. I was so glad that we could get a short story into Dark Deeds Down Under from these characters because I've written, I've read some of the novels, and they're just fantastic. They're these kind of near, kind of near future supernatural crime noir, as Lee says, and and blending so many cultural and folklore aspects as well as kind of the thriller aspects. They're really fantastic read. You should go check them out, listeners. And Catherine, I, I imagine similar for you. Uh, with Lee is that you've actually brought quite a bit of your background to the, your character of Alex Clayton. Well, yes and no, I guess, Craig, because mm. Alex is Alex is a dealer. She's an art dealer. So she's actually mm. a lot savvier than I am because, you know, I'm an art historian, so I just get to sort of pontificate from a distance. But uh, she she has to kind of rely on her her gut and her eye to uh, to find the bargains or find the, the hidden masterpieces. 
So she's got a really good sleuth eye as well. But um, she she sort of she arose because I was actually looking at an unsolved true crime, uh, and I didn't sort of know how to work the story in. And then I found out that there was also a missing painting involved in in that story. And so a dealer finding the missing painting seemed the perfect way to to enter into that that whole crime world. And um, and she's a bit of a loner. She's not a sort of a black suit and pearls kind of art dealer. She's much more of a Doc Martens kind of grungy, you know, working working the lower edge of the market, hoping hoping to find the big find. And of course, she's got her dog Hogarth, the Wolfhound, by her side, who's a nice little character foil. And she's ably assisted by um, her art restorer friend, who has similar traits, but you know, is also good at you know stripping away the layers. I guess would be the best way to put that. Mm. And I so enjoyed the story that as part of Dark Deeds Down Under there, um, kind of, again, kind of involving, a, you know, an old painting and and things like that. And just the relationship that Alex has with the, the kind of law enforcement as well. It's a really interesting relationship. So. <laughs> well, in, yeah, in a way, it's, it's that outsider thing, but she's got skills that they need if they're, mm. if they're looking at art crime too. So that's very helpful for her. Yeah, fantastic. And now, Rob, I'm imagining that, you know, when you look at your characters, you have an adolescent Asian New Zealand girl, and then you have the gay uncle and his boyfriend from Sydney. And for Tippy Chan, at least, there's 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 some of your kind of background, and she's grown up in rural New Zealand. But you're also putting yourself outside of yourself, writing about an 11 year old girl. So what was that like, and where did that creation come from? Yeah, so um, with the Nancy, so you, you've got Tippy, and then her uncle Pike, and his boyfriend Devon, um, and in the the first book when they you first meet them, uh, they've come over to babysit um, Tippy, and she has um, her uncle's old Nancy Drew books, and so both Tippy and Uncle Pike are, are huge Nancy Drew fans, and she's just wanted to solve a mystery um, like Nancy does. Um, so it really came from exploring who Tippy's parents were. And I, I work in international education and um, I've always really admired um, the international students that I would meet because, you know, for a lot, they're first in family coming over. Um, uh, and so there was like resilience and courage and um, I don't want to say, well, they were qualities that I wanted to see in, in my main character. And then Tippy's mom, she's Pakia, she's a, a nurse. She's really um, uh, stubborn and, um, you know, very determined kind of person, which again were char character traits I wanted for Tippy because I wanted her, you know, once she got this mystery, she wasn't going to let it go, no matter what was happening. And she needed both those um, those attributes from her parents that that she has um, uh, in her own right. So that's that's how it happened. And then, you know, it was through talking um, uh, with my friends. Uh, so um, Tippi's dad is from mainland China. So I was talking to that. My my agent, um, and she said I could say this uh, is biracial and, you know, she comes from uh, Chinese and European. Uh, so, you know, we'll talk through her. So it certainly, it, it happened organically. It's not like I said, don't go, oh, I'm going to do this. It's just this is who Tippi um, turned out, 
this is who she is. And so once I realized that it was, you know, you can't really turn back, otherwise you're not being authentic to the character. So it did involve a lot more, I guess, um, educating myself and asking and making sure I was, you know, trying to be as um, authentic as I can be being a Pakeha, capturing this, this uh, biracial view of the world, so. It, it's such a wonderful series. I remember when I first read the Nancys a uh, couple of few years ago now, and just, I mean, I've written, I've published over a thousand reviews of crime thriller and other books um, over the past decade um, for magazines, newspapers, and websites, and um, are well over a thousand if we include websites. And it was the very first time I can remember I ever used the word enchanting in a review. Because I remember that when I did it, I was like, "This is the first time I've ever used the word enchanting <laughs> in a review." Because you're always, you know, using gripping and captivating and page turning like hundreds of times and trying to cross them out and come up with something new. But it was the very first time I'd ever used enchanting in a crime review. And there's just this warmth there. While at the same time, you explore some incredibly dark issues in terms of grief and loss. And it's not, um, it's not. Uh, it's not cozy in the cozy crime sense, you know, so to speak, in terms of some of the issues that are dealt with, even if there's a cozy yeah. sheen to it kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I use the, I guess I use the rules of cozy as a guide to, mm. to what I wanted to explore. And I just, um, just on those characters, I'm a gay man. So, in terms of that experience with Uncle Pike and Devon, yeah, I was mm -hmm. certainly pulling on my experience and uh you know people i know friends uh all of that so yeah and it was a combination i hadn't really seen mm -hmm. uh too much uh which is that sort of platonic friendship between you know uh, a girl and and some gay men so yeah now it's so many interesting things about the nancy's and it's a the great characters and i was very glad we had a story in dark deeds down under as well and and Danuka, for you, kind of a newer voice on the crime fiction scene, what was it that inspired you to write Kate Miles as a character and to kickstart things with the Torrents, which won the Banjo Prize for kind of an which is an unpublished novel award in Australia? So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of that is entirely accidental. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I started my writing very much as a way of processing my own kind of you know, that, that experience that I was going through basically becoming a mum and, you know, your identity entirely changing and you need to kind of process how uh, you do, you know, you work now and how you manage family and how those two things fit together and how your kind of identity of yourself kind of entirely changes. So for me, I had never had any ambitions to write. That was never in the radar for me. I basically just started writing as a way of kind of just finding myself again because I felt like I'd lost, you know, in that in that way you do because you, you know, identity suddenly becomes absorbed into mother, wife, you know, and, and that that becomes you. So I was really just trying to process what was going through in my life at the time and at the same time escape it. <laughs> so uh so that's how Kate kind of came to be because Kate, you know, uh is going through a lot of the things that I'm going through. So she's a mum, you know, uh you know, managing a very challenging job. So I also kind of, you know, I'm an environmental consultant in my real life. I'm not doing that as much anymore, but certainly at the time, you know, that was my kind of other side of my life. So I was very much managing this really high pressure job, 
um, and, and kids. And so that experience went into Kate's uh, sort of, uh, you know, what I was writing about her. And I think, you know, because I'm just a huge crime fiction fan and, and of that genre, like, I love detective fiction. So I just started writing and just what turned up on the page was this detective, you know, what it wasn't kind of um, intentional in that, in, in that way. So, uh, so I had this detective and, and, um, uh, and I guess now looking back, I can see that, you know, like, again, there was, it wasn't kind of intentional to have her specifically being a woman and specifically being pregnant or none of that, you know, it was just basically, you know, um, going off my own kind of life, I guess. Uh, but then what turned up on the page is something that I guess is not what is normally seen in detective fiction, which normally does not centralise kind of women or in particular women with with family, you know, because usually if there's a male detective, <laughs> their family is somewhere in the background look, being looked after by the woman in their life, but certainly not front of scene. But for Kate, part of I guess what I wanted to look at was a real woman kind of having to deal with both family and work, you know, as just part of her day-to-day and that being part of the story and not somewhere in the background. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how she came about, I guess, entirely by accident. <laughs> and it's such a fantastic I love The Torrent so much last year, which is why I was so pleased to know her that you were involved with Dark Deeds. And and we've got the new one taken uh, coming out in February. I'd say next month, but this may get broadcast in February. So it may already be, already be out when you're listening, folks. Go grab it. Taken by Danuka okay. McKenzie, which continues yep. the adventures of Detective Kate Miles. Um, I wanted to speak to each of you about what it was like writing short stories about your main characters from your novels. But Danuka just brought up something really interesting then, I think we'll dive in first, about kind of having things or showcasing things in novels that haven't been seen historically as much fresh voices and fresh perspectives and that can come from a number of ways whether it's female detectives with family whether it's kind of indigenous or, or detectives of color um whether it's uh, lgbt plus kind of detectives or sleuths and things like that and and crime Fiction, like most, kind of does lean white and male, though there have been amazing female crime writers going back 100 years and, and plenty of diversity. But we are seeing recently, and and it was great to see that the Edgar Awards, which is the major awards in the United States for crime and thriller fiction, has actually given their Raven Award this year to Crime Writers of Colour, which is a brand new organisation started three or four years ago by the brilliant Kelly Garrett, Gigi Pandian, and the amazing Walter Mosley, who many of you may have read over the past few decades. And we are seeing increasingly, both in crime and in horror, with the likes of Stephen Graham Jones and other Indigenous horror writers coming through in the United States, it does seem that things are belatedly, slowly, way too, took way too long, but it does seem that things are improving. And I'd like to get all of your perspectives on the importance of bringing kind of a broader range of perspectives to the the stories we love, crime, mystery, thriller, horror, suspense, dark fiction, speculative fiction. Lee, how important, you, you've been involved the longest, Lee, so I'll go to you first, but how important... Oh, God, I'm the you, oldest. I'm the longest. No, no, involved, involved the longest. Involved the longest as, a, as an author. Oh, dear. Um, um, but what's it been like for you to perhaps witness that transition? Do you feel that way, that things have been kind of improving in recent years? So. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's been a long, it's a long battle. It's a long game, isn't it? Um, 
Look, I, I was really excited to read Danuka's um, story and especially, you know, how it's sort of touched on those really important racial themes that, you know, we're really, that, that are really relevant right now. I mean, just, just today I heard, I mean, we're in January when you're re we're recording this and I just heard that there was, you know, a shooting in the United States around a, you know, a new year, Lunar New Year celebrations. And, you know, so there is there's some real tension around sort of, um, race and and how we 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 navigate the world as as with different cultures and so I was really excited to see that story in there and of course you know LGBTQ issues it's wonderful I loved Rob's flamboyant characters oh my gosh they're just there is his writing is is flamboyant when he writes them it's just beautifully colorful I absolutely loved it and I but I think I think to your question about is it getting better I think you know, I think, you know, to be honest, I do think the pandemic kind of sort of did something. We sat still for a little while and we were starting to think and there were there was this sort of backlash towards Asian people, for example. At least I noticed that because of what was being said around the pandemic. And and I think now that, you know, people saw that and, and said, hey, this is not good enough and we need to do better. And of course, also, we were all reading, we were all mm -hmm. reading and watching movies and, and trying to sort of distract ourselves from what's been happening globally. So I think um, that, that, you know, people were starting to look for things that would give them comfort. And what gives us comfort is when we see ourselves in stories and, and, and we can see a way out. And I think that that is why we are searching more for these you know, really good quality stories with people of colour. And if you like crime fiction, then you want your detective to to understand those cultural issues. I mean, that's where the tension is, isn't it? And in a lot of cases, you know, some of these, you know, crime is 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 um is spurred by people's attitudes towards different religions and cultures and and lifestyles. And so, you know, I don't I think you can't get away from it in 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 crime fiction and genre fiction. And also you need to bear in mind that 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 genre fiction and in particular dark fiction, horror fiction, it's subversive. And that's where change happens, isn't it? We we're brave. We can be brave because it's it's we're already subversive you know so let's just let's just you know lean into that with our writing and explore those issues that that people are really you know want to want to they want some comfort around they want to know can we make it through is there a way through this is there you know um what can be done how can we how can we face and what solutions are there and so I think writers and authors have a really you know big responsibility to sort of offer those options up for readers and that's why I'm very excited and also I, I also it's the arts are so important so I was really excited to see Catherine's story as well not to exclude her because you know Arts is what is is how you know is how we interpret the world, is it not? And so you know, being able to include art in your writing—that's just a, a nice double whammy, isn't it? Yeah, I absolutely love everything you're saying there, Lee. And and I've, as someone who's loved crime fiction my entire life, which is forty plus years now of reading, kind of thing, um, I'm just so excited by what's happening in in these genres that we love and whether it's the likes of Stephen Graham Jones 
a brilliant Native American horror writer who's been around for decades, but it seems to be getting a lot more notice in the last two or three he, years. He definitely so, is. He won the then, won the novella and the novel uh, yeah. section of the Bram Stokers this last past year. And uh, yeah, he's going back is coming is making a sort of a forge as well too. So it's really yeah. And we're seeing was it Erica T. Worth who um, has come through yes. with a new novel White yep. Horse, and and then also I believe um, Ramon. Uh, Emerson Shutter, which is kind of a crime le- leaning that way as well, and David Hesker Wombly Wyden. I've had many discussions with him about Indigenous writers and crime fiction, and I was so pleased um, that along with yourselves, we had the likes of um, Solari and Lisa Fuller and, and Renee, the wonderful Renee from New Zealand as well, in the first anthology. So Maori and Aboriginal and other writers of colour. I was, I was very blessed and very grateful that we uh, have such outstanding storytellers such as yourself leading the way and opening doors, because I think it does make a difference. And we've seen, going back to Jane Harper with The Dry, opening up doors for Australian and New Zealand crime writers all around the world when people realise, but it, we're also seeing it with David with Native American crime fiction, and and now there is more Native American crime writers coming through, and and we're hopefully seeing it with the likes of Michael Bennett with his book Better the Blood just being published in January in the United States and throughout the world as a Maori Indigenous crime writer writing about an Indigenous character actually dealing with Indigenous issues, you know, and things like that, and so hopefully we'll see more of that going forward. Do you want to add anything there, Danuka? You you kind of didn't touch so much on the earlier question about kind of the racial issues that Kate has to face. But do you want to add something in there? So, Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of genre, I guess um, crime fiction is sort of like the obvious um, genre that touches kind of all people, right? Like it, you can basically, you know, it doesn't matter what demographic, doesn't matter what part of society you're in, you can, you know, you either come in touch with kind of the justice system or come in touch with some some sort of uh, injustice, you know. So whether that's at a very personal level or at a very structural level in terms of kind of ingrained injustices, you know, it's systematic issues. So actually, you know, crime fiction is like the perfect place to to explore all these issues, whether it's the really personal stuff to, you know, systematic issues from racism and, and you know, those kind of really big issues. So you know, I think what you were mentioning before, um, you know, Lee and Craig, like it's about having seeing the people go before you and going, okay, I can do that as well and there is a space for me. And and the more people kind of the, the people who kind of, um, you know, break down that barrier for you and, and you see them up there. And I think also sort of with TV as well, kind of it's, it's a far more diverse kind of, uh, you know, you just see more people, you know, more colours, more people, just, just you know, more diversity, full stop in, in, in kind of um, cast of characters that are put on TV now. So the minute you see yourself out there, it just immediately is breaking down the barriers because all those uh, TV shows and, and books and authors and, and art in general and even, even like if you go down the path of like just purely in terms of ads, right? Mm. You just see more diversity in in the people you see in 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 ads. Just even just purely in terms of body type, you know, skin color, all that kind of stuff. And just purely that being there, you can see other people doing it. So suddenly you go, oh, okay. Uh, the publishers and the industry go. Clearly, there's a market there. 
Um, and each person who who manages to you know get that book on the shelf is just expanding that market even more. And and it's got to the point where like people don't really notice that. That's not the reason that they're buying the book. They're buying it because it's a you know it's a great story. And then there happens to be a biracial you know detective or you know LGBTQI plus or you know what whatever that is. But that is not the reason you're buying the book. It's just because it's it's all our stories, right? This is the world we live in. It's not yeah. that we're living in our tiny little isolated islands. This is our world, and all of these people are our people. You know so. Of course, you know, like, so I think for me, you know, it's people like Larry and, you know, like those people who are up there doing it already um, and and the publishers know it's selling. And so, you know, it it automatically kind of opens the door for the next person. And it's our job then to keep opening that door for the people who come um, after us. Like that's really our only job is to open that door for people who come, you know, because those doors were open for us, you know, so. Yeah, I love how you say that, Danuka, it's all our stories. And I think the all is important, um, you know, kind of thing, because it can, it has been narrow boxes at times. And I'm saying that as someone who kind of probably fits the narrow box, being now middle-aged as I've aged a white male. Kind of, I feel a little bit different being that I'm a colonial, as they say over here in the UK, being from New Zealand. So I'm still a little bit outside the outsiders, kind of uh, the insiders. But um I, I, yeah, Solari had a great Craig, quote. Can I, can I just jump in and ask you, do you feel the responsibility as an anthologist, you know, and as a community builder to kind of look for that diversity and make sure that you're, that an anthology or a piece of work is balanced in that way and has those opportunities for voices, other voices? Uh, the short answer is yes. You know, it's obviously complicated and nuanced, but I, I definitely do as someone... I think because growing up in New Zealand, I read crime fiction from all around the world. There wasn't a whole lot of New Zealand crime fiction. So for me, crime fiction and thriller and mysteries and fantasy, I read lots of fantasy growing up as well and things like that. Um, It was always about exploring different worlds, seeing different viewpoints. And so I've always felt that, that it should be about a whole lot of viewpoints. You know, you're not just trying to, I've never understood it when I've come overseas and people have said, oh, I'm only going to read crime fiction from, you know, I'm US, I'm, I'm American, I'm only going to read American crime fiction. I'm like, maybe it's coming from New Zealand, it was a smaller country, you're always more outward looking, you know, kind of thing in general. And that was ingrained in me that it was about kind of experiencing all these different lives, experiencing all these different perspectives. So I think that's ingrained in me from when I was a kid and also the way that my parents brought me up. Um, but definitely when I was putting together this anthology, I very easily could have done 20 amazing, no questions asked, no one would have criticised me for the quality of the stories, stories um, from white men and women in Melbourne. And I could have had an entire 20-story anthology, not a problem, because there's so many great writers like that. Um, Or Auckland and Sydney, or something like that, easy. But I wanted for it to be a showcase, and that was the word I used, a showcase of our Australian and New Zealand genre. And um, as you'll notice, it's, it's not just that we have some writers of colour and some LGBT plus authors. We have rural and urban. I think we cover most, if not all, of the states, territories in both islands in New Zealand and Australia. We've got authors ranging in age from their kind of 20s, 30s up to 90, you know, kind of thing with Renee. So it's just different perspectives across the board you know kind of thing not just the obvious ones that we can see but also throughout and i think that's incredibly important that's me personally i know not everyone will feel that way but 
uh, to answer your question, Lee, yes, for me that matters. So, yeah. um, just uh, yeah, sorry, I kind of pausing there. I was thinking, I actually really loved what you said about all our stories, um, Danuka, and uh, you mentioned Solari as well, who's in our anthology, and she's brilliant. The uh, her role is Sinclair series. I remember actually interviewing Solari, I think it was last year, it might have been the year before, and um, on a on a kind of an audio panel, and she mentioned a phrase, and I've since used it lots, and other crime writers I know who listen to that have since started using it. She said crime, and she's small c, she's meaning darker, crime thriller, mystery suspense, you know, our end of the genre. Um, crime is the literature of resistance, she said, and it was just kind of a throwaway comment that stuck with us. And I think kind of what you were saying, Danuka, it kind of stuck in my head there. And I've also, I think it's Val McDermott and others I've talked to about um, books and reading in general, that reading as um, novels is an engine for empathy. And there's all these studies overseas, um, academic studies that show those who read a lot, particularly those who read fiction a lot, you know, in terms of empathy and think, putting yourselves in other shoes, because that's what you do in novels. And I think it's such a wonderful thing that we can do there. Um, going from kind of a big, deep and meaningful conversation, just pivoting slightly, I, I would really like to get each of your impressions on what it was like bringing your novel series characters, so these recurring characters you have in novels, down and distilling them into a short story. Because the short story form is not just a smaller novel. It's a different form. Lee, you're an expert on this, and we'll come, so we'll come to you a little bit later because you've done a lot of this. But Catherine, I'd be really curious to get your perspective of what it was like on bringing Alex Clayton from a, a novel-sized story, like The Portrait of Molly Dean and Painting Shadows and other things like that, down to kind of a short story for Dark Deeds Down Under. What was that process like for you? Is it just the same, or did you have to kind of have a different mindset? Well, I guess it was actually quite difficult because I, I had... I had this this story in my mind when you first sort of got in touch and said, hey, can you do a short story? And so I had this plot in my mind and it was it was burning such a hole in my brain that I thought, well, this is this has got to be the short story. But of course, I'd had the plot for a book. So but it was it was just so present and so much at the front of my mind that I just loved just this is the one I've got to write. As you know, it turned out slightly longer than your preferred short story length <laughs> book, um, but and but it, it it was actually really nice. It was it was good because it had to be so tight because you had to have all those elements that we all look for in a book in that short story format, and um, you know, and Alex is a lone protagonist and it's her point of view, so you're always sort of sitting with her. So it was quite intense to to be with her on that level um, and and to to bring that plot together. And to a satisfying conclusion within that short story format but it was it was actually a, a really fun exercise too because you know I had all this this kind of backstory sort of sitting in my brain too and I, so I had this big thing about no we can get rid of that we can get rid of that and it was it was lovely to sort of distill it down to that sort of the pure essence of the story if you like for one of a, a better way of looking at it mm. and I, I'm also just curious before I want to get um, Rob Danuka and Lee's perspective on this as well but just before I move on there Catherine, you've written some Alex stories and now you've written an Alex story for us, which was wonderful. But your most recent couple of books, you, you've kind of, you've got a, a brilliant standalone Seven Sisters, which has just come out in Australia. Go dig that out, folks. And you've also doing a TV tie-in for the Ms. MS, Ms. Fisher Murder Mysteries, which are a spin-off from the great Carrie Greenwood, who we're also lucky to have in the anthology, her Franny Fisher stories. And this is the kind of more modern with her, I believe it's her niece, is it? That's, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's where 
Kerry's written uh, the novels. The novels have become kind of telly movies and things like that and TV series. And then they've done a spin-off series, TV series with her niece. And now you're doing TV tie-in book for the spin-off series, which is a really interesting circle. But I was curious, you've done these two kind of other cool books. Do you see yourself going back to Alex now at some stage, now that you've kind of dabbled in the short story with her? Can we see, expect another Alex novel down the track? There's there's actually a, another complete Alex manuscript um, oh, sort of excellent. sitting in the wings. Yes, sitting in the wings. Yeah. So um, we haven't, oh, I haven't finalised a home for her yet, uh, but yeah. because we're we're in, um, we're actually sort of in early development of a television series for Alex. Clayton. Oh, brilliant! So uh, we've got the script due at the end of January this month. So um, yeah, so that's that's the aim is to to tie the tie Alex the next Alex in with with the uh, the film, which is really exciting. So uh, we've got some great script writers and um, we've, we've got our series mapped out. So, yeah, so that's where we are with Alex anyway. Definitely more Alex stories to come. Oh, fantastic. So in the end, you might do TV tie-in novels to your own TV series based on your novels. That's very circular. Making my head spin just thinking about it. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. And, and Rob, what was it like for you bringing the Nancys um, kind of to a short story firm after, form after writing two novels? And you tend to write kind of, um, you know, decent sized novels as well, though, kind of on the longer side as well. So what was it like kind of distilling down to a short story for you with these three kind of flamboyant big characters? They're very big characters to fit in a small story. Kind of thing. Yeah. So look, I've, um, uh, when I first sort of, um, came up with the Nancys, I always saw it as a trilogy. So with this short story, I set it one year after uh, the first book um, ends. And that gave me space because I knew that book three, which still being written, <laughs> was a couple of months, um, will we'll finish a couple of months before the short story. So that so I knew where I was in terms of the, the series, I guess, which gave me a bit of freedom. Um, I also, poor Nino, this was a subplot that had originally was in the first book and then there was part of it which was in book two, which always got, um, like I talked to Catherine, and go, oh, I'm going to have to cut it again. So it was great to be able to, to um, yeah, have have her in Riverstone and explore that dynamic, uh, as well as um, one of the things I hadn't yet um, been able to do, which I was able to do in the short story was um, one of the great things in for Nancy Drew fans is when Nancy and Bess and George, you know, dress up and go undercover, and you know they've got the costumes and the wigs and they change their name and all of that and um so yeah to to riff off that uh was great so no i enjoyed it i'm not i find writing short stories quite difficult and challenging um so this was good um saying that i'm i've like started writing picture books which is like 500 words or less so I don't know why I find that easier, but um, yeah. So no, it was great. It was good. It was good to to be back with the characters, and I guess having having them a bit more unfiltered with that sort of larger storyline that goes on in the novels as well was was quite nice. 
Yeah, I don't have the same experience as a journalist, but I have written features that are seven to 10,000 words long and then lots of stories which are five to 800 words long and the five to 800 words long ones don't take any less time than the 7,000 word ones sometimes, you know, that I imagine <laughs> yeah. from talking to novelists, it's kind of the same. Just to look it down short, it's a different thing and it's not an easier thing just because it's smaller and it doesn't take less time necessarily just because it's smaller sometimes Absolutely. as well. Danuka, what was your experience bringing Kate to short stories and how different was it writing a short story to, to writing The Torrent and Taken? Um, yeah, actually, it was actually really, really good timing. You know, it's just, you know, these things are clearly meant to happen because when you, uh, you know, contacted me and said, you know, would you do this story? I went, oh, okay. Um, and I did a prequel story. So it's a it's a story of Kate um, when she's much younger. She's still, you know, single and she's not married. She's, you know, it's all kind of, you know, fancy free. Um you know, and whereas the books are very much based on she has kids, she, you know, she's in a completely different life space. Um, and so it actually gave me a lot of freedom to uh, really explore kind of her younger side. But also in the books, you know, her mum is already deceased. You know, I don't, you know, it's just a thing, you know, it's happened. And I and I haven't really, um, certainly in my own mind at that point, I hadn't really dealt with that part of it uh, very much or really explored that backstory. And this really gave me the opportunity to do that, you know, because I was actually writing her as a character and, and thinking about her as a real-life character and what her feelings will be and what she will be thinking at that particular moment in their, in their family story. Um, so it really gave me a good place. Uh, it gave me a good way of kind of delving into Kate's uh, background a bit more which then held me in really good stead for Taken, which even though I didn't necessarily go into those details sort of, you know, in, in, in great um, level of detail, it um, because I had explored them in my head, it allowed me, you know, then that space to go, okay, now I know where she is or what she thinks of her own cultural experiences, you know, uh, the differences between her and her brother and how they deal with their culture. So, yeah, so that it was actually really good timing because I managed to kind of, I probably wouldn't have done that, you know, if, if and, and probably taken is much richer for having written this uh, backstory for Kate because I kind of understood her and her family and her background far more than I probably would have really done, you know, just going straight into taken. Yeah. So, Thanks for that, Craig. <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the great story. I really enjoyed reading it and, and putting it in the anthology. And Lee, I'd be really curious to get your perspective on this because you've written dozens and dozens of short stories. You've been a short story. You've you've been the editor of anthologies. You've contributed to lots. You've written lots. You've written a lot of novels and a lot of short stories. So you've got a great deal of experience. Like, do you do you find it easy or difficult to switch your mindset between the two, between writing a short story and writing a novel? Is it the same process for you, or do you actually kind of have to change things in your head a little it's bit? It's all hard for me. Yeah. Every it's all hard. It's all hard. You know, it takes me forever, and um, I'm a really slow writer, and it's just it's painful. It's painful. I have to kind of. <laughs> gouge them out of my you know out of myself um so yeah no that's all hard and yes I totally agree it's, you know it's a completely different beast a short a short story from a from a novel in a novel you have the you know 
every word counts for sure, but you still have a little bit of space. You can have moments of quiet time where your characters can reflect over what's happened and bring bring their their personal experiences to bear and those kinds of things. So you have a little bit more time. Whereas in a short story, there is only this this short story. There is only this plot. There is only this element that you can use. So you need to start very late you know, as close to the action as you can. And then you need to finish as early as possible to make for a satisfying story. And you have to get it in the word count that the horrible anthologist sets for you, which is always too small (laughs) to say the words you want to say. And then, of course, you're working with someone like Dan Raybartz, who writes Mm. thousands of words in a day. He's he's super prolific, you know, and and he has all these great ideas. We'll throw in an explosion or we'll do this. And, of course, I'm going, no, no, we just said we'd do this. You know, and of course, when you're working with a collaborator, you just don't know what's going to happen. So Dan and I, we usually have a general idea. And with this, this is the first short story we've ever written in this in this um in this series. So you know, we had never done one in this particular. I have done them from my other series, my Tane mm. McKenna Adventure series, for example, but never in this one and never together. We'd written a couple of short things together and we've written, you know, interviews together. So we knew we could do it. It's just, um, and we had a little thing to tease out uh, that that we hadn't quite finished with. So it was really good to be able to do that. But of course, you know, the beauty of collaborative work is, well, you know, you think you're writing half the story, so it's going to be less time, right? But actually it takes double the time because you've got to collaborate with this other person and agree and Dan Dan and I you know our characters are little brother and big sister and Dan and I are basically there's I think there's 13 or 14 years between us and I am the big sister and he is the little brother and we squabble just as the characters do so it's always a fun experience (laughs) writing and we never quite know how it's going to turn out um, so we went a little bit over because there are two of us. So I think that's only fair, right? We we went a little bit over the word count. Um, and we had a lot to say because it had been several years since we'd we'd written in this world. Um, and the other thing is it's been, you know, I'm actually being switched into writing short stories and writing poetry and writing screenplays in the last couple of years since basically since COVID. I haven't had a novel come out. In fact, the last novel that I that came out was just before COVID at the end of 2019. So I feel like I don't know how to write a novel anymore. You know, you're only as good as your last one. And, you know, and it's magical, isn't it, writing a novel? I mean, these novelists will tell you it's magical. You don't know how you do it. And finally it comes together and you think, holy heck, it's come together. It's just, it's it's a magical process because, you know, there are some things. You've got to have, a you know, a, a good character and you've got to have a plot and you've got to have, you know, a great setting and, and, and inciting and, and all the stakes and everything. I mean, we know all that, but somehow we got to put it all on the page in a way that it all comes together. And I know these people will, will agree with me. You know, you've got a little plan and you go, but you're never sure it's going to get there, right? You never know if you're going to make it. And it's just such a, you know, such a relief. And I think the same, it's just a, a distilled version of it. It's even harder in, in a short story sometimes, you know, because because you've got so few words to pull it off. So um, it's really fun. It's really exciting when you get it done. And sometimes it allows you to explore an element of your character or your or your biggest world or story arc that you haven't had a chance to do and you probably won't so it's a little bit like sometimes you know 
if you think about Lord of the Rings and the Tom Bombadil, you know, you know, um, section, we all know as authors that our a good editor would have said, no, no, you know, Mr. Tolkien, we need to make that a magnet and you can sell that on the side and we'll that'll help us sell the series. But we really don't think it should be. It's really not relevant to the story and it shouldn't be there. And that should be a short story. And so, <laughs> you know, we all know that that's what our, our editors would say. So it's really quite exciting to be able to do something a little bit different and explore our characters in a different way in the short form um and you know and and it's also nice to be in this lovely chocolate box anthology with all these other people doing the same thing and 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 able to explore their characters in different ways so i, I love it i love it oh, i just i just love your enthusiasm lee and it was so wonderful having you and dan as well and we can't forget dan and we've got lee here on the, on the podcast with us with the wonderful dan rabats as well a brilliant author both individually and collaboratively with Lee Absolutely. stuff as well and I, I love your description of the chocolate box of the anthology I, ha I hadn't thought of that before but it really is I, I wanted it to be the 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 well, we used to have the continental and the milk tray selections growing up in New Zealand and the Cadbury roses but it is there's a lot of different a lot of different things for a lot of different people hopefully who, who will enjoy it and I, I really think um, that's what I was trying to do going back to your early question as well just have a diverse array a diverse showcase and different different readers will like different stories for whatever they bring to it themselves but i, I honestly think it's a, such a high quality selection i'm incredibly proud of it and incredibly grateful to all of you and to all the contributors um what one of my sayings my dad and mum used to say to me when i was growing up in new zealand was time flies when you're having fun and i've just looked down at the clock and gone oh my god i could talk to you guys for like hours but D danny will start jumping up and down at me if the podcast gets too long so we may just have to do a quick fire question to finish i always like to finish off if we can with kiwi craig's world of crime with showcasing other authors because i think there is such a great thing about the writing communities that we are part of and that we're all readers as well as writers so if we do a little quick round table and go around and if each of you would like to just let us know two or three authors whose recent books or maybe an upcoming one you're really excited about a recent one you've read or just an author you want to you know name drop in general that you love a, a couple of authors you've recently read over the holiday period or or whose work you just love that you'd like to give a little shout out to Danuka who have you been reading and who have you been loving lately uh well I read uh the lovely Petronella McGovern's The Liars um over the Christmas break actually and I mean, talk about throwing a million plot lines into the air and landing every single one. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, how does this person do this? You know, because she just threw so many balls in the air and she just managed to land everything. Um, but, yeah, no, it's an incredible book which kind of explores a number of things, including kind of, um, I guess, the, the histories of our land in terms of uh, particularly in Australia where, you know, all these settlements were set up, but we don't really talk about the history that, that you know, uh, started those settlements and, and the violence and the frontier wars that that preceded that. And so, uh, you know, we, we celebrate a very particular version of our history. And so she, you know, she talks about kind of facing up to that history. Uh, and also, you know, she explores kind of um, to uh, toxic masculinity and kind of the, that culture of silence so the culture of silence in kind of two very particular ways and she manages to kind of bring those two storylines together in an incredible way so I really enjoyed that um and what else oh and I wrote that I mean 
I, I do have to give a plug to Catherine's book because far out, that was one of the best books I've, you know, read in kind of the recent times, sort of Seven Sisters, just an absolute kind of descent into the rabbit hole in terms of bringing these seven people's stories and, and really uh, looking at, uh, I guess, the, you know, playing with the moral ambiguities of, you know, how people are pushed to do the things that they end up doing. Uh, but but just in this kind of, you know, kind of uh, mission impossible type situation, I was just like, oh, my God, are they going to do it or not? So it's just that perfect mixture of, of kind of page turning but also makes you think about uh, the, the crimes that are being committed. So, yeah, I absolutely love that um, book as well. So I'll give those two a plug, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we might as well turn to you next, Catherine. How, wh what are the books you've been reading and loving lately? What are a couple you'd like to give a shout out to? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Danuka. How lovely of you to say that. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay back because I've just read Danuka's latest, um, Kate Marles. Taken. Oh, it's just and, a love um, fest. It's a love fest. Oh, no, no, it's <laughs> actually a love fest. That's actually it's not actually the reason fest. why I said that. No, no, don't do that. Don't no, 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 I have to. I have to because I, <laughs> I was waiting for it to come out, Danuka. I honestly was. And I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. And it was everything the torrent was and so much more. So um, a real, really great sort of police procedural. But as Danuka said, with a real policewoman who has a family thing going on in the background and isn't just, you know, a lone alcoholic, depressed, divorced, whatever, as we see so often with, with police detectives in general and, you know, often with the women. So that was fantastic. And the other one is um, Joe Dixon's House of Now and Then, which has just come out, um, a nice sort of little isolated Tasmanian setting with uh, the mystery of the past coming forward to, to haunt the characters of the present. Um, so that's a debut and it's a great one too. So those are my two. Fantastic. And and Lee, uh, have you been getting some reading done over the holiday period in, in the Bay of Plenty in New Zealand and amongst the sunshine? Yeah. Or <laughs> I've been doing a heap of reading, a lot of poetry and um, a lot more horror. So probably not uh, the crime fiction that you're looking for. Um, no, no, we love horror I've too. Been reading, shout yeah, out the horror. I, <laughs> I, I actually, um, I'm going to say a shout out to Catherine Hawes, The Stranger, which is actually post-apocalyptic um, um, cowboy sort of uh, <laughs> cowboy sort of horror in set in Australia, which is which was really great. I really enjoyed that just before Christmas. I've been reading Chris Hammer, and I've been reading um, lots of actually Aussie. Aussie crime fiction actually just recently I'm just I've just got my I've just got my <laughs> Kindle up and I'm having a quick look because um I've I've read Dirt Town by Hayley Scrivener and I've read uh Shelley Burr's Wake and I've read mm. this last just this last couple of weeks Cutters End by Margaret Hicks and I'm reading Dead Red Dirt Road at the moment by S.R. White I don't know any of them so um but they're all Australian writers I believe and I've been really enjoying them just I've been having a little bit of a an Australian um, crime fiction sort of blitz at the moment. So I think maybe I'm trying to conjure some, um, some um, what's the word, warm weather. That's maybe what I'm trying because New Zealand has had rain for, I think, about a month. And so I think you're 
um, better off where you are. Perhaps not you, Craig, in the cold <laughs> yeah. at minus four degrees, but um, yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to conjure some good weather. But honestly, there's some, you know, what I'd like to see, I can't wait for Michael Bennett's um, book because mm. I would like to see some more New Zealand crime fiction, to be honest. We just really don't have enough. And we really just, the problem is we really don't quite have enough of those publishers here in New Zealand uh, who are open to New Zealand crime. So I'm I'm looking for some more. Nikki's obviously doing great and um and that's great to see that she's but it's just it's, there's just not enough. There's just not enough. we need some more publishers. Publishers out there. We need some more publishers. Isn't that right, Rob? <laughs> yeah well Rob, turning to you now, what have you been reading lately? And and I imagine uh, that you, you co-sign Lee's comments about let's publish more New Zealand uh, and Australian crime. One thousand percent Lee absolutely agree. Um, and likely Chris Hammer, The Tilt, um, mm. I listened to the audiobook. I reckon, um, uh, in my humble opinion, I think that's his best book to date. I really love that. Um, uh, Danuka McKenzie taken, Catherine Kovacic, Seven Sisters. Uh, I was going to say Joe Dixon as well. Um, her debut um, is out this month. Um, uh, the House of Now and Then, and there's like twist after twist, and I don't know. I mean, I was once an extra in a Peter Jackson film, and when the film came out, I believed that it was real. Um, so I'm probably, <laughs> when it comes to twist, probably, you know, an easy mark. Um, but the other one I wanted to say was Elizabeth Coleman, uh, A Routine Infidelity, um, so that is coming out end of this month, uh, so 31st of January, uh, a Melbourne private eye um, who has this huge family. Uh, she has a sidekick, which is this little dog called Miss Marple. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, and I believe it might be the start of a series as well. So that's uh, another one to, to look out for. Fantastic. Wonderful array of stories and storytelling there for you all to look out for. I'll throw in my two cents as well. Um, uh, recently, while I was back home in New Zealand, I read The Pain Tourist by Paul Cleave, which is outstanding, darker crime fiction. Paul's brilliant and has been for, for years. His new one actually sees the return of uh, his troubled investigator, Theo Tate, who we haven't seen since Five Minutes Alone about seven years ago. So great to see Tate back, but the story is about a lot more than him. Really brilliant novel. Also, uh, the wonderful Renee, who's a real kind of rangatera of the writing community in New Zealand, and we have, we're have we lucky enough to have a, a short story from her in Dark Deeds Down Under. Uh, Renee has a new book out called Blood Matters, uh, Renee's a Maori author herself. It's a small town murder mystery, and it's really great to kind of get that perspective and uh, lots of the issues going on there. Check that out. Um, a couple of books that I'm really looking forward to are Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent, which comes out in March, and I've got a copy of that I'm about to dive into this week. And also uh, Don't Fear the Reaper by Stephen Graham Jones, who we've all, all already mentioned. Right. And this as well, I'm really looking forward to that. They're coming out kind of uh, around now, February, March, in various jurisdictions. For those of you listening in the UK, 
the tilt by chris hammer has just come out in the uk and it's called dead man's creek over there it has a different name and a different cover chris is always worth checking out uh rob may be right it could be his best novel and that's a big call because his first four are pretty damn good so mm-hmm. but, but as well so that's fantastic well it's been so wonderful chatting with you all today i could chat for hours as i say danny's gonna start like hooking me off the stage in a sec in terms of time so I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to Danuka McKenzie, Rob McDonald, Lee Murray, and Catherine Kovacic. Four outstanding, award-winning Australian and New Zealand storytellers. You can find their novels through your favourite bookshop. You can find their stories in Dark Days Down Under. I've been Craig Sisterson. Thank you so much for listening.